With Clint Kubiak expected to become the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator, they make the right move moving on from Doug Marone as their offensive line coach. We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I am your host, Ross Jackson, New Orleans native, your New Orleans Saints expert, credentialed member of the media covering the New Orleans Saints. It's a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode, it's Mock Draft Monday. So we're going to take a look at how we can double dip at edge rusher and finding the right playmakers and offensive pieces to fit that Clint Kubiak Kyle Shanahan version of the offense upcoming in 2024. And to kick everything off, we're going to be taking a look at how the Saints made the right move moving on from Doug Marone, their offensive line coach. We've got all that coming up for you on today's episode. We appreciate you very much for being an everydayer here on the show. And of course, making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Right now, you can make every moment more because new customers are going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. All you got to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So the New Orleans Saints have moved on from offensive line coach Doug Marone, a move that a lot of us kind of expected to happen maybe closer to the beginning of the offseason, but one that took a little bit of time. It makes perfect sense why they made this move. And in fact, it was the move that they absolutely needed to make, especially considering where this offense is looking to head in 2024. Make no mistake about it, with Clint Kubiak expected to become the Saints offensive coordinator, which remember, can't become official until after the Super Bowl because he's coaching in the Super Bowl. This Saints offense is going to look very different next season. And a big part of that is because he's going to bring some of that Clint Kubiak, excuse me, he's going to bring some of that Kyle Shanahan uh, scheme with them. Now, it might be Clint Kubiak's version of the Shanahan system, but expect the Shanahan system to travel with them. And a big part of that Shanahan system is zone running. So instead of blocking directly the man in front of you, which would be called a man run scheme or a gap scheme, what you see instead is blocking gaps. Read step off to the side, getting into the area where they need to block. If there's nobody there, they're moving up to the second level, things like that. And Doug Marone doesn't really coach zone blocking. It's not something that's been a part of his offenses in the past, regardless, you know, regardless of what his role was in those situations. And so this move makes sense. Now, there's a couple of different people that make a lot of sense. James Craig is probably the one that you're going to hear the most of. Craig, C-R-E-G-G. He's the assistant offensive line coach over in San Francisco. Why would he leave San Francisco to come to New Orleans? Because there he's an assistant offensive line coach with another assistant offensive line coach. Together, they coach the O-line here in New Orleans. He would be the lone offensive line coach and would be working with guys like Jari Evans, but make no mistake about it as well. The Saints already have somebody in-house that could elevate to that spot as well that's got some experience in this, and that's Kevin Carberry, the current assistant O-lines coach. So Kevin Carberry, somebody that came over from the Los Angeles Rams offense, knows about the wide zone system, knows how to coach zone blocking, and is like legitimately a genius. Like the dude's really smart. And so you could simply see Kevin Carberry move up and then maybe still one of those other guys, maybe an offensive assistant from San Francisco or something like that coming over. 
but the Saints might not necessarily need to go out of their way to find a new offensive line coach. They might have one built in already that's already worked with that wide zone scheme. Now, he worked with McVay's version of it, but wide zone is wide zone. There are just small nuances that are different on the McVay side as well as the Shanahan side, but the running principle is the same. Zone block, running back gets to pick three different avenues out to where they could run the ball and advance it down the field. Boom, that's your zone run in a really, really, really minuscule version of it. Made a really, really minuscule version of it. Um, So the other thing that this marks is that the Saints have been cleaning house when it comes to their offensive staff. Listen to this, no longer with the team. So if we're looking at 2023 to 2024, not new hires, anything like that, right? Just looking at who was there in 2023, who's not there anymore. Offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. Offensive line coach, Doug Marone, as we just mentioned. Wide receivers coach, Cody Burns. Running back coach, Joel Thomas. And then they also moved on from an assistant, uh, an offensive assistant in uh, Bob Bicknell, who often worked with wide receivers. Still hanging around. And I do think that this is important to highlight, right? The guys that are still there. Because I do think that much like Michael Hodges, the linebacker coach, when Dennis Allen cleared out basically that defensive staff, he moved on from Ryan Nielsen and uh, Chris Richard, who were not only co-defensive coordinators, but one of them coached the D-line, one of them coached the secondary. The only person that was left on that staff position-wise on the defensive side of the football was Michael Hodges and his work with the linebackers. So that spoke very highly of Michael Hodges. So far, quarterback coach and passing game coordinator Ronald Curry is still there. Tight end uh, coach Clancy Barone, still there. And then the offensive line assistant that we highlighted earlier, who could potentially be a candidate to elevate to offensive line coach, Kevin Carberry, also still around. Says a lot. Now, the question is, we see the promotion opportunity there for a Kevin Carberry. Clancy Barone and Clint Kubiak work together in Denver. Good chance that Clancy Barone hangs around. Clancy Barone should be hanging around. Um, That would be the right choice. Now, you're also looking at where does Ronald Curry go? Does Ronald Curry stick around? Or does he, as the internal candidate who has passed for a potential promotion, end up trying to take advantage of opportunities elsewhere? He could literally take the same role somewhere, quarterback coach, passing game coordinator, or either or, take a role somewhere else in the hopes of being able to advance there later on down the road. Or getting experience with new quarterbacks, getting another you know good year out of somebody there and then potentially becoming an offensive line coach, or excuse me, an offensive coordinator elsewhere after this year. Now, my hope is that Ronald Curry sticks around. Everybody that has worked with him speaks highly of him. Everybody loves him. Um, Derek Carr loves him. And he was a big part of getting some of those red zone plays in when they needed to be brought in, all those other things. Remember last year? So you got a lot of credit for all those other things, but it's tough when you're the internal guy that gets passed over for the promotion. So does Ronald Curry end up piecing out? Does he end up heading elsewhere? And if that were the case, then does all of a sudden that interview that the Saints did with Brian Greasy, the quarterback coach over in San Francisco, they interviewed him for the offensive line, uh, excuse me, the offensive coordinator role. Does all of a sudden he become an option to move over to New Orleans as the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, which would technically be a promotion over what he would get in San Francisco, potentially. San Francisco could technically give him the passing game specialist role in addition since Clint Kubiak is coming over here to New Orleans, but in any case, or expected to come over here in New Orleans, but in any case, you can see the Saints already making the moves that they need to make. And I think that 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 Doug Marone decision speaks loudly 
right? Like you can see there that the Saints are getting ready to install a whole new offensive system. And so they need an offensive line coach that's going to be able to teach that zone run capability. So even though you know, we can look at other things, we can say, hey, the Saints made the right choice because their pass block win rate, according to, pro, uh, according to ESPN in 2024, was 28th in the NFL, fourth worst in the league. They were 15th when it came to pass block win rate. Like we can look at those things. We can look at the pressure, all that other stuff. But just from a simple scheme fit perspective, Doug Marone, Clint Kubiak, opposite sides of the spectrum, it feels. And so this was the right choice for the New Orleans Saints, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you dice it. All right, coming up next, let's take a look at some of the potential good draft prospects that could be available for the New Orleans Saints in this year's draft that would fit the Clint Kubiak slash Kyle Shanahan system. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode and get started with Mock Draft Monday here on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by friends over at DoorDash. DoorDash is my absolute favorite back here in New Orleans. Can't wait to get my order of Trilly cheesesteak. It's literally on the way. It was the first place I knew I had to order from once I knew that I was going to be, that I got back here in New Orleans. And I cannot wait for it to get here. Use it a bunch in Mobile as well. It just doesn't get any better than DoorDash, whether you're looking for the local eateries or the big chains that you trust. You can find it all over on DoorDash and much more, including groceries, maybe small gym spots that you've never heard of, didn't realize were around you, all of that. So go check them out today. And if you haven't used DoorDash before, now's your lucky day. You're going to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order at DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. That's 23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, that's promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 2 Three, you want to use the digits there to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order at DoorDash. Today's episode of Locked on Saints also brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience, whatever it is that brings you that winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle, level it up, and then of course, bring it to that peak performance, whether you're looking for superchargers, LED headlights, uh, exhaust kits, and much more, wherever you are, whether you're into to speed, to power, to style, eBay Motors has you covered. And with over 122 million accessories for your number one ride or die, you'll always get exactly what it is that you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your parts are guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, you'll be able to turn your car into an MVP and start stacking them W's. Start eating them W's. Keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guarantee fit available only to U.S. customers. All right, family, with Clint Kubiak expected to be on his way to the New Orleans Saints as their next offensive coordinator, the Saints are going to have to find some players that fit his system. That's what we're using for today's Mock Draft Monday to explore this week's scenario. Appreciate you very much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out that Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. It's a uh, YouTube's first ever national 24-7 sports stream. So be a part of history and subscribe to Locked On Sports Today over on YouTube today. All right, so... I want to take a look at Mock Draft Monday here a little bit differently. I'm going to focus on, we're still doing seven rounds, but instead of me doing, okay, here's who I picked in the first round, here's who I picked in the second round, all that kind of stuff. I'm actually going to split it up offensive and defensive because I want to be able to talk about this and, and, and kind of break this out into two different molds. 
So the first mold that I want to look at on the offense is drafting for a Clint Kubiak slash Shanahan system offense. And then the second piece is, hey, double dip at edge rusher, and I'll tell you why. So that's what we're going to start with. So we're really starting off today with our second round pick, but don't worry, I'll recap the entire draft at the end of the episode, but I want to focus on offense first because the Saints have some players that fit, whoops, have some players that fit the Clint Kubiak mold, but maybe can use a couple of other players that that can fit that as well. So I said the other day that the Saints need to find their Debo Samuel. Now, what could be really interesting is using Taysom Hill in that Debo Samuel role, but he's 34 years old. That doesn't mean that he won't be able to do it in 2024, but how long is Clint Kubiak going to be around? How long are the Saints going to live in the Shanahan system once they get their, once they sink their teeth into it? So maybe you want a player that's going to be able to take that into the future in future years. And that's where Malachi Corley comes in. Western Kentucky University wide receiver, a little bit of a smaller guy around five foot nine, five foot 10, but 215 pounds weighed in perfectly at the senior bowl and showed out at the senior bowl as well, which, you know, the New Orleans Saints, they love their senior bowl grads. They love their senior bowl alumni, although avoiding the senior bowl at this point in the NFL draft is just impossible because that's where all the best prospects go. So there's no such thing as avoiding the senior bowl. But Malachi Corley is a guy that was super fun to watch. So I actually took him in the second round of this mock draft, which PFF tells me is an F. They're telling me that it's too early. Now, if the Saints were to shock the world and trade back, or maybe they move a player and then end up getting a pick in the 50s or 60s, Malachi Corley makes a lot more sense there. But we'll also see how his draft stock changes once the combine rolls around, once the pro days roll around and all those other things. But look, when you find a guy that's your best fit and that can fill a role like a Debo Samuel role the way that a Malachi Corley can, it's hard to pass up on that opportunity later on in the draft. So at round two, when you don't have a third round pick, you don't have a fourth round pick, potentially go and grab the guy that you need. That's what I did here. Now for all of the fifth round picks, I spent three of them on offensive players. The first, which is their original selection, I went with Javon Foster, the offensive tackle out of Missouri. The second, which is the first of three estimated compensatory selections, I went with Theo Johnson out of Penn State. And then the third, uh, which is another estimated contemporary or contemporary compensatory selection, I went with Cody Schrader, the running back out of Missouri. Now, if you have tuned in to previous Mock Draft Mondays, you'll have heard these names, and that's not really by mistake. Remember, the two top candidates that I was looking at at offensive coordinator here for the Saints were Zach Robinson out of the wide zone McVay offense and Clint Kubiak out of the wide zone based um, Kyle Shanahan offense. And so I've kind of kept these guys in mind because of the fact that, hey, they're all fits for this wide zone situation. Javon Foster, incredibly athletic, wild athletic actually, and is a fantastic zone blocker. That was what he did with Missouri. Make no, and then to no one's surprise, Cody Schrader, the five foot nine, five foot eight, two hundred plus round or two hundred plus pound uh, running back, also out of Missouri, is the best zone running running back in this year's draft, in my opinion. He runs it better than anybody else. The way that he runs it is absolute teach tape. He's got really good anticipatory, really good vision, does all of the things that you need to be able to do as a zone runner well. Now, do the Saints need a zone running running back? Maybe not. So you could spin that extra fifth round pick on maybe like a, a, a Javion Cohen out of Miami, get yourself a nice athletic offensive guard on the interior as well. 
who can also be a guy that can help you in those zone running opportunities. But I do think the Saints need to start by taking a look at how do they bolster their offensive line? How do they bolster their run game, which was not a great run game in 2023? And you have to do that by getting guys that are going to be a good fit for your new system. Javon Foster, Cody Schrader coming out of the same offense, both of which make a ton of sense for New Orleans and the new wide zone offense or Shanahan Kubiak's version of the Shanahan offense that they'll be bringing. Theo Johnson, not the best run blocker in this year's draft, but you've got a Foster Moreau. You've got a Juwan Johnson that can help you there. Theo Johnson, though, gives you the six foot six, 257 hyper athletic pass catcher that can be a red zone threat for you, that can be a seam threat for you, that can play a little bit of that second or third tight end role. This is something that San Francisco does a lot to where they deploy multiple tight ends. Get yourself multiple tight ends that you can deploy, especially if Taysom Hill is going to be taking sort of a little bit more of a slot or, or out wide. Uh, or even backfield role, a la Debo Samuel, while a guy like Malachi Corley learns the offense and gets adjusted to the NFL. So I'm just trying to piece together uh, a scaffold of the process a little bit. So that's what I did with the th- with three of the four uh, fifth round selections. The other fifth round selection I used on defense, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But then in the sixth round, towards the end of this draft, I saw a quarterback on the board and I said, sure, why not? And I went with Joe Milton III. Now, here's the thing. Joe Milton, bad accuracy short, bad accuracy in the intermediate area, but a beautiful deep ball. And so that should sound familiar because it's kind of Jameis-y. I think Jameis is a lot better short and intermediate, particularly short, uh, than a Joe Milton is. But hey, he's not supposed to be a finished product. I'm drafting him in the sixth round as a quarterback to roll the dice on him. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. No big deal. And so I bring him in because you might want one of those strong armed quarterbacks to back up your uh to back up your otherwise like strong arm but more cerebral quarterback. So there's an opportunity for you to maybe get a look at a guy that can really attack downfield. Now, there was also Sam Hartman who was available. I'm not the biggest Sam Hartman guy. I'm not super sold on that, but I am just looking at Joe Milton's size, the intangibles, the arm strength, those things. Really like the starting place, the foundational place that hopefully you can build off of and branch off of with him. So I'm just rolling the dice there. I could also take Carter Bradley here. I could also, t- or Parker Bradley. I could take whoever I want, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, but I thought I'd just roll the dice and put one uh, in there. So Malachi Corley in the second round, Javon Foster, Theo Johnson, and Cody Schrader in the fifth round, and then Joe Milton in the sixth round, because why not? Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why I think that the Saints should double dip at edge rusher, but not stick to their prototype. I'll explain what I mean here in just a moment as we wrap up today's episode of Mock Draft Monday here on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl week for all those who celebrate, and you can find a lot more this Super Bowl week and make it a lot more entertaining by heading over to America's number one sportsbook over at FanDuel. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring like the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and of course, placing some of those super bets. One of my favorites right now that just could be a lot of fun. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, you have this Kyle Shanahan offense. What about something absolutely crazy in the Super Bowl? Well, how about one of these guys passing for over 506 yards and setting a Super Bowl passing games record or passing yards record? 18 thousand plus 18,000. If you got a couple bucks to throw on there, man, that's a heck of a payout. So 
You can check out all that and much more over at FanDuel, of course, especially right now because new customers are going to be able to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. I'll make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. The New Orleans Saints might want to consider double dipping at edge rusher in this year's NFL draft. Appreciate you very much for being here. Don't forget, we are your team every day. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be taking a look at some of the potential candidates to fill in at wide receiver coach, running back coach, and of course, offensive line coach, including a potential big get when it comes to running back coach. We're going to break all that down in tomorrow's episode to make sure you don't miss that as we continue on five days a week here on Locked on Saints. So in the first round, I decided to go edge rusher in this year's, uh, in this mock draft. Okay. So we went through sort of the second round pick, some of the fifth round picks, and then the sixth, um, just really looking at the offensive side of the football. So now I'm going to go over the three picks that I spent over on defense. Now, I, I think that the Saints could do some interesting things in free agency. Keeping a Zach Bond could go a long way. They could probably go out there and sign like the ninth or 10th best offensive tackle just to give themselves a little bit of wiggle room there as well. But over on the defensive end side, I do think that double dipping at edge rusher could make sense for the Saints. Now, they could go defensive interior as well, but the, let me just kind of explain here. At pick 14, I had a pretty easy decision ahead of me, and I was able to go with Dallas Turner, the Alabama uh, edge rusher, who's, look, very disruptive, just undersized in terms of what the Saints' typical prototype is. Six foot four, around 242 pounds. So really just kind of smaller, but six foot four is what he's listed at at the school. You have to imagine he's probably going to measure in more like six two six three. But I don't think that the Saints should stay away from that if they feel really good about it. Now, here's the thing. Drafting against the prototype in the first round, probably unlikely. But because I did that, I went back to the prototype in the uh, fifth round with the last compensatory pick, prick, picking Brennan Jackson, the Washington State uh, edge rusher, who's more like 6'4", 260, 270, a little bit closer uh, to what it is that the Saints really, really like there. Both have phenomenal pass rush win rates. Both are very good, not only as edge rushers, but Brennan Jackson's really good as a run stopper as well. We know how important that is to the Saints. He fits the body build, things like that. But Dallas Turner gives you an elite presence when it comes to being that smaller, speedier, athletic edge rusher. The guy that's won for the New Orleans Saints in Caden Ellis two years ago. The guy that won last year toward the end of the draft when it came to Zach Bond. And I've talked to some people within the Saints organization who feel that Zach Bond helped them a ton at the end of the year, not just because he racked up, what, two and a half sacks or whatever it was in the last few games. That's not a ton. But the pressure, him, him opening up opportunities for other players, him being able to turn around and limit the rush ability of some of those quarterbacks, right? When they got out of the pocket and escaped the pocket, things like that. So having that mold still makes a lot of sense. I argued this last year as well when it came to Felix and Yudike Uzama out of Kansas State, that it would make sense to maybe get outside the mold if you're getting an elite presence when it comes to that bend, run the arc smaller, athletic, speedy type of edge rusher. And Dallas Turner could be the first round prospect that fits that mold this year. And especially with you drafting in the middle of the round, it's easy to move up, move back, whatever it is that you want to do. I don't know that New Orleans are all of a sudden going to entertain the idea of moving back, but 
being able to move up a little bit maybe gives him an opportunity. Sitting pat at six at, at 14, Dallas Turner every now and then in these mock drafts at least falls down. We'll see what happens in the actual draft, but maybe the Saints have to move up and maybe that's okay. But I do like the idea of saying, okay, not going to be able to get the size, not going to get the, uh, at, not going to get the, the, you know, six foot six, uh, 280 pound speed to power conversion prototype, but what you're lacking in the prototype, you make up for in speed, athleticism, aggressiveness, being able to run the arc, being able to bend that corner, all those other things, and just being disruptive off the snap, as opposed to the six, you know, five, six, seven second pressure on the quarterback where the secondary has to hold up forever, especially on third and longs. Do you want to give the quarterback five, six seconds? Probably not. You want to get pressure as quickly as possible. And some of these speed rushers would help them be able to do that. We certainly saw that with Zach Bond last year. So I went Dallas Turner in the first round, came back in the fifth round, went with Brennan Jackson, bring him in. I believe it was nine PFF sacks for him last year. Uh, pretty good player. And somebody that, again, you're spending a, a, a day three selection on, grab him, see if he works out. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's fine. Like You don't have to win every single draft pick in this draft. You just need to get the guys that are going to be able to fit your new system, fit your schemes, and help you evolve your defensive scheme as well. One of the other guys that I drafted here with the last pick of this draft for the Saints was Kenny Logan Jr., the safety out of Kansas. Fantastic box safety, slot safety type of player. Um, coming out of Kansas, it's five foot eleven, you know, just over two hundred pounds. We'll see what he actually measures in at when it comes to the combine, but fits the secondary mold. And he's a guy that can come, play downhill, play in the run game, make some big stops, get tackles for a loss. He takes good pursuit angles, does those things. He's just not a coverage guy. He's just not a coverage guy. But I think that's okay. I think the Saints have their coverage guys. You've got your Tyron Matthew that can drop back. You have your outstanding post safety, post safety, just meaning like middle of the field, deep safety uh, in Jordan Howden that you drafted the fifth round last year. I think the Saints move on from Marcus May. I think that they should consider moving on from Marcus May. You might be able to trade him for some additional trade value or some additional draft value, probably a day three pick or something like that. If you do, or if you cut him, you save like $1.1 million, not a bunch of savings, but Still something, right? And you might be able to get some kind of draft capital back for him. Or if he signs, uh, no, because you're terminating his contract. So even if he signs where you wouldn't get a compensatory pick for next season. But you get the idea. I don't know if Marcus May needs to be back. I don't think it was a bad signing when the Saints signed him two years ago at all, especially because they didn't spend a lot of money to sign him. It wasn't a humongous contract. The money that they would have spent on you know, uh, uh, Marcus Williams, they effectively split and, and paid Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. Financially, makes sense, right? Very pragmatic. Not great when you don't get the play, though, right? And tackling still an issue for Marcus May, although he was a better tackler than Marcus Williams, no doubt. All that. This guy, Kenny Logan Jr., fantastic tackler. Like, that's the kind of thing that you want. And then, of course, Jonathan Abram can fit in there. Lonnie Johnson Jr. can fit in there. Like, the same secondary is strong. You've got great coaches there. Your head coach is a secondary guy over the defensive side. Your defensive coordinator is a secondary coach on that defensive side. Your DB's coach is one of the best to ever do it in the game, you know? And so I, I just, I look at where the, the and that's, that's Marcus Robertson, by the way, but I look at where the Saints are 
And I don't think that they need to be married to a Marcus May. And instead, they can go out and they can find more talent, bring back a Jonathan Abrams who kind of played that position closer to the line of scrimmage. You're not putting him in coverage. You're not putting him in a deep safety stuff. That's okay. But if he's playing in the, in, in the box, playing down close to the line of scrimmage, Jonathan Abrams was awesome last year. Get him back this season and then see what you're able to do uh, in 2024 and then continue to add young talent there, continue to develop Jordan Howden as a deep safety so that he's not playing out of position in Marcus May's role and then see what you're able to get there in terms of your future uh, as well. I'm sure you could sign like a vet safety as well too, but bringing back Lonnie Johnson would help you a ton as well. So, and our total mock draft here, Dallas Turner, the edge rusher out of Alabama was our first round selection. Malachi Corley, the wide receiver out of Western Kentucky University. Javon uh, Foster was the tackle out of Missouri with our first fifth round selection. Our three compensatory fifth round selections, Theo Johnson out of Penn State, the tight end. Cody Schrader, running back out of Missouri, fits that zone run scheme. Brennan Jackson, a little bit more of the prototypical edge rusher out of Washington State. Then in the last two picks, sixth round, uh, Joe Milton, the third, just rolling a dice on a quarterback, could really do anything here, but I felt like rolling a dice on a quarterback. And then Kenny Logan Jr. wraps up the draft in the final selection here out of Kansas, the safety, a little bit more of a box safety guy uh, that can get you a lot of, a lot of good stuff in your run game and playing closer to the line of scrimmage. That's our mock draft for this week. Let me know yours. Send me over your mock drafts. Uh, and of course, let me know how you feel about this one. We'll have a piece up uh, later on today over at uh, Saints News Network as well, detailing these selections even further. And of course, the Locked on Saints Insider Group. They've been hearing about most of these candidates all week. So be sure that if you're interested, you join in on that as well by heading over to sub joinsubtext.com slash locked on Saints today. Appreciate you as always, y'all, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to come back tomorrow looking at the rest of the positional coach opportunities that are available for the New Orleans Saints. And of course, for your second listen today, make sure you go and check out Jake Madison over at Locked on Pels and of course, Caroline Fitton over at Locked on LSU. Thank you very much for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media, at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.